next year you should take a break on spring break with the rest of us. <laughs> so um, anyway, so before we started, we talked about a series. Um, we started a series called Faith to Create Wealth, and I began to dispel some of the myths about a myth myths about faith, about prosperity, and about poverty. And those of you who weren't here last week, you can go to the website and you can listen to that. But I'm going to get back into that and basically go over what I went over last time and give you the next steps. But here's the thing I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about how important it is for Jesus not just to be your Savior, but to be your Lord. There are a lot of people who come to Jesus only when they need to be saved from something. Your marriage is falling apart, now you need Jesus to save it. Your kids are sick, now you need Jesus to fix it. You lost your job, now you need Jesus to do something. But the Lordship of Jesus can keep you from needing so much saving. Let me walk you through what that looks like. God tells you not to date somebody, you date them anyway. It turns out bad, now you need saving. Had you submitted to the Lordship, you wouldn't need saving. As a believer, you don't want to live your life in perpetually having to be rescued from your bad decisions. Listen, being a believer is more than about being a good person. There are good Hindu, there are good atheists, there are good agnostic, there are good every religion that you can name. Being a Christian is not about being a good person. It is about being reliant on Jesus as our Savior. And so what I really want to challenge you to do is that in your everyday life, I don't care whether you think your life is amazing and you have nothing missing, make it a point to not just talk to God, but to listen to God. There are things that God wants to say to you about your life. There are things that you're praying about and asking about. There are things that you want that seems good that sometimes God goes, no, not now. There are other times that you don't want to move and shift. And Lord, the Lord is like, this is the time to move and shift. If you're going to really walk with the Lord and live in this area of total life prosperity, you have to make hearing and obeying God your top priority. Tell your neighbor, say hearing and obeying God. Is the, the only way to live, to live. The, best life the best life God has for you. Yes. Now, here's the thing. I want to say this because obedience is important because we live in a place right now where people are talking a lot about grace. And I want you to understand that grace is freely given to everybody. But grace is not a license to do whatever you want to do and believe that there are no consequences for it. That's what not what grace is. In fact, grace is not a license to sin. Grace is what will keep you from sin. So do not use grace as an opportunity to ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit and then need to live in a perpetual state of being rescued. Everybody makes mistakes and grace catches mistakes and grace will catch you as long as you fall down. But at some point, the goal of believers ought to be to stop falling down. Amen. Amen. It's good to know that God will forgive you for whatever sin you have. But at some point in our growth and development, our life, we shouldn't want our life to be plagued by the sin we commit. We should want to make good choices. So as we begin to talk about faith to create wealth. I want you to understand this. The Bible says this about God. It says that God is not mocked. So if you try to apply these principles and you don't have a heart for the things of God, folks may not know, but God knows. So God, so, so you, you're not going to hustle God into prosperity. And it is possible to get prosperity without God. And you don't have to lose God because you get prosperity. But the best prosperity is what comes with God. And so we want to be people who are submitted to God. And I want you to hear this. There are times when if you, here's how you know if you really walking with God. If you have never wanted to do something and God told you no, you ain't really walking with God. If every word to you is about how amazing and how fabulous and how wonderful you are and how you give. I mean, God says all that. But God says the other things, too, like you're selfish. You need to work on your character. You can't be lying like that. So you need to be listening for the voice of God that is correcting you about the things that will cause you to stumble in life. Amen. 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 Now, I just wanted to say that as a precursor, because when we begin to talk about the creation of wealth, 
you know, it's very easy to start talking to thinking about creation of wealth and get into materialism if you don't remember that God is first. And so I'm going to show you these points at the end, but I want to I want to talk to you about them. Can you go to my last slide? I actually want to show my last slide first today. And I took this. I brought the slides today, which is totally out of how I do things. But I brought the slides because I wanted you to be able to take pictures of them if you wanted to so you could see. So if you're going to position yourself for kingdom wealth, here are the things that we're going to begin to talk about. Because we're talking about kingdom wealth. Is that you're going to have to put God first. Matthew 6 and 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and he will add the things. We live in an environment where it's really easy to seek the things and feel God in later. But kingdom wealth, kingdom living is about putting God first. When we're putting God first, there are times that that may mean where there is a good financial deal that God tells us not to touch. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Or there may be a time where you have planned that you're going to pay off a certain debt and the Lord tells you to give the money to a family in need or give it to the ministry. Putting God first. Amen. So if we're going to be people of kingdom wealth, we have to keep God in first position. The money is not most important. Amen. God is most God. important. Tell your neighbor, say the money, the money. is just a tool yes. to serve God serve. and bless people. And bless people. The, money the money is never first. Never first. Amen. The money is never first. Amen. Number two, if you're going to be a person of kingdom wealth, you got to know your purpose and stick to it. God gives wealth based on purpose. So God has given everybody a unique gift of talents and abilities and things that they're created to do. As you begin to pursue wealth for kingdom purposes, there will be many things you could do, but do they align with your purpose? One of the reasons that so many people hate their jobs is because they took jobs that don't align with purpose. Do you hear what I'm saying? They were really called to be a teacher, but because they didn't think teachers could make enough money and they were limited in what teaching looked like, they took a job as an engineer and they make a lot of money, but they're not happy. God's wealth for you will not come with you doing something you're miserable doing. That's not how God created you. Because remember, 3 John says that God cares about your whole life. Say, God cares about my whole life. And so because God cares about my whole life, he's not going to put me in a job that totally goes against how he wired me. God isn't going to give you a job that helps you make a lot of money and it, and it requires that you never get to be around people and you love people. Because he knows that fundamentally you won't be happy there. So number th- three, you have to st- seek strategies to create wealth. Seek God for strategies to keep, create wealth. This is very, very important. Say everyone... Has a path. Know your path and stick to it. Here's why this is important. As we begin to have discussions about creating wealth and wealth creation and things we can do, there may be a word that the Lord gives to the Smiths that He doesn't give to the Stricklands. And if the Stricklands try to do what the Smiths do, the the Smiths go get blessed, the Stricklands not, and the Stricklands go be salty when in truth we didn't seek God. Listen, mentorship is important, but nobody gets to trump God's voice in your life. Mentorship is important, but God knows the perfect way for you. So you may see that someone is getting involved in real estate or somebody's going back to school or somebody's doing something. What you need to do, because I want to teach you practically how you talk to God about that. You say, God, dismiss they're getting involved in real estate. It looks like the real estate market is going up right now. Do you want me to touch that? Do you want me to touch that? You cannot, relationships with God are individual. There are principles that work, but when you don't align with what God is calling you to do even if you get the money you may end up miserable amen four be a person of integrity you have to be a person of integrity and I want to talk about integrity in three ways most people talk about integrity in how they treat other people I want to talk about you being integrity a person of integrity in how you treat other people do what you say you'll do keep your word don't enter in deals with people that only benefit yourself 
That's hear me. Do not enter into deals with people that only benefit you. In fact, I was doing some research. One of the number one rules in the Jewish community around wealth creation, people always talk about how wealthy the Jews are, is that they will not do a deal that does not benefit both parties. Be a person of integrity. Number two, be a person of integrity toward God. Don't say, God, if you bless me, this is what I'll do, and then you get blessed and you don't do it. Don't say, God, if you just give me this promotion, I'll spend more time in the Word, I'll spend more time with my family, and then you get the promotion and you don't. Be a person of integrity. The Bible says that it is better not to make a vow than to make a vow to the Lord and don't keep the vow. Number three, the biggest part of integrity is staying in integrity with yourself. In the pursuit to chase money, because we're not chasing money, we're chasing God. But if you're not careful, you can start chasing money. In the pursuit to chase anything, not just money, let's not just take about money. Like people do it about relationships all the time. Like people be like, oh God, I'm really believing for somebody. I just want somebody to spend my life with. And before you had somebody spend your life with, you had all this quiet time for God. You had all you, you up interceding at four o'clock in the morning for the nations and all kind of stuff like that. And then you find love and then you forgot that you called an intercession. Be a person of integrity. You, right, you don't even pray no more. All your prayers is about, are we, when we go get married, Lord, you know I want to have babies. <laughs> Be a person of integrity to others, to God, and to yourself. So when God, what does that mean? Very simple. You should write this down. Once God has given you an instruction, stick with it till he tell you something else. When God gives you an instruction, you stick with what God told you to do, no matter who else quits doing it. When God gives you an instruction, you stick with it until God tells you to do something else, no matter who else quits. That's one of the challenges with believers. Because sometimes as believers, we kind of operate in a pack mentality. So let's say, for example... God tells me to pray at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now I want to pressure all y'all into praying at 5 o'clock in the morning so I'm not the only one up. But God told you to pray at 11 o'clock at night. Keep doing what God told you to do until he tells you something else. You may have to stand by yourself. It's okay. Be persistent in faith. Do not judge your ability to create wealth by where you are or those around you. Judge it by the word. Don't, for example, let me give you an example. What people do sometimes, people in corporate America, God will come to you and he'll say to you, he'll say, listen here, um, in the next three years, I'm going to have you at this level in the company. And then what you say to God is, but you know their process is this. You don't think God know they got a process? Does God know they have a process, yes or no? Is God bigger than the process? Don't talk to God about what the process is when God has told you what he desires to do. When God tells you, talks to you about wealth and wealth creation and what he wants to do in your family and getting out of debt, God doesn't need you to tell him about all the natural circumstances. He knew them when he told them to you. So it's your job to stay in faith. Number, how many is that? I ain't put number. This one right here, this <laughs> number six, number six. I'm not called to be a school teacher. That ain't what I do. Uh, this is the most important thing. Remember, you are just a steward. The money belongs to God. Tell your neighbor, say, God, God. owns everything. It's all, and I, I own nothing. But if I'm faithful, I can use a lot. I am just a steward. I'm going to give you a great example of stewardship. If parents with kids, I tell my kids this all the time, you don't really have a house. We have a house. And you get to be stewards over the house. And how well you steward your room determines whether you get increased or not. How well you steward the little you have today determines whether you make yourself a candidate for increase. If every time you get increase, you spend it on you, you have told God what you would do with a million dollars. If every time you get some money, you find another way to turn up, 
You have told God what you go do with all your increase. You just go turn up in bigger ways. If you have, to, if every time you get increase, you hoard it. I'm not against saving. We save. I am against you thinking that money can be what God is called to be. And then when God tells you to do something with your money, you don't do it. That's hoarding. So God tells you to give so-and-so $100. You say they don't need $100. That's not your business. Because why, number six, the, what, you just a steward. The wealth belongs to God. I know, I know, I know, because this is what smart people say. I got up and went to work today. You did, but you used God's oxygen. Yeah. And you used his ability to move, because if he don't move your body, it don't move. Right. So God owns what? Everything. Everything, and we own. Right. But if we wise, we get to use a lot. Yeah. Right? Oh. And then the last one, be a, con a generous and consistent giver. A lot of times people are generous, but they're not consistent. And sometimes people are consistent, but they're not generous. What does that mean? They give so people will know they gave and won't say nothing to them. This true story. I went to this conference one time with this lady, and well, I didn't go with her, but I sat by her in every session. And in every session, she would fill out an envelope and act like she took a check out her thing, and then <laughs> not put the check in and pass the offer. She wanted to look like she was a giver. She wanted to look like she was something that she wasn't. But here's the thing you should realize. It doesn't matter whether you give $2 or whether you give $2,000. The important thing is that you did what God told you to do. What did God tell you to do? Amen. Let's go back to our first slide. Because we're talking about breaking this spirit of poverty so that we can create wealth. Faith to create wealth. You can go to the next slide. Um, God wants you to prosper in every area of your life. We talk about this all the time. God wants us to prosper in every area of our life. What area of our life? Every area of our life. But number one, God wants us to be spiritually prosperous. How do we become spiritually prosperous? Through our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're so excited about Resurrection Sunday. Because if Jesus had not gotten up, none of the rest of these benefits would be available to us. So Jesus came to deal with our, in, our, um, our eternity and our right now. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful that Jesus, aren't you thankful that you don't have to wait to get to heaven to be blessed? Amen. I am so thankful that we don't have to wait to get to heaven to be blessed. So God wants us to be spiritually prosperous. How are we spiritually prosperous? I told you earlier, we hear and obey God. That is the key to spiritual prosperity. Hear and obey God. Do whatever he tells you to do. And for those of you who are really logical thinkers, sometimes logical thinkers struggle with this because God doesn't always make sense to your logical mind. And if you've been married, you know this because God will tell you to apologize and you are certain that you did nothing wrong. Can I get a witness? Amen. And you are certain that God must have lost his mind, except God has been doing this a whole lot longer than you have. So God will not always do things that make sense to you. But that's why you have to trust that God has your best interest at heart. Number two, he wants you to be um, sound, prosper mentally. We're not called to a life of depression and up and down in our emotions. And I want you to begin to monitor yourself. Pay attention to what you're saying out of your mouth. You can't be a person who wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, praise the Lord, the sun is shining. I'm so glad Jesus is alive. And then somebody pull you off in traffic. You're like, I hate the whole world. I wish I lived on an island. That, that is, that, that's insanity. You've got to pay attention to what's coming out of your mouth. If you allow your emotions to lead you, you will never be successful. Tell your neighbor, say, if your emotions are the boss of you, you will never be successful. How many of you know your emotions are fickle? Are your emotions fickle? I want you to admit that your emotions are fickle. Like, do you know people that sometimes you really like them and sometimes you don't like them as much? Because your emotions are fickle. Have you ever had somebody call you and you were excited to take the call and they call tomorrow and you send it to voicemail? Your emotions are fickle. And so God wants us to be led by our, um, but to be sound in our mental state. How do we get sound in our mental state? We align ourselves with the word. He wants us to be strong physically. Say, God wants you, God wants you to, take care of your body. to take care of your body. Now look at your neighbor and tell him, say, neighbor, neighbor. that doesn't mean you need a six pack. But you do need to take care of your body. 
You need to be healthy. You, listen, let me tell you something. You do not have a different makeup than everybody else. You need water like everybody else. Your body is not special. You're not the only person in humanity who don't need water and get your nutrients out of Pepsi. You lying. You need water. You need vegetables, whether you like them or not. You need vegetables. And corn is not a vegetable. It is a grain. You need vegetables. Why is this important? Because the enemy will use your health to steal your purpose. He will cut your life short because you don't take care of your body. He wants your relationships to be whole. Because how many of you know it's hard to be happy when your relationships are messed up? It is hard to be happy when there is turmoil and stress and all the relationships that you got. He wants you to be happy professionally. How can you be light at a job you hate? It's very difficult to be light at a job that you, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying that when you hate your job, you are pretty much using all your light not to wig out on somebody. You just trying not to go off. You don't care that the lady beside you is depressed because you trying not to be depressed. God wants you to be prosperous professionally. A lot of that comes for those of you who don't like your jobs or you don't really make money that you think you need to be making. You need to be having some crucial conversations with the Lord about where you need to be in this season of your life. Mm. We all got quiet. Amen. Praise the Lord. God wants you to prosper socially. You should have good, healthy interactions. I'm just going to tell you, life can make you so busy that all you do is go to work and go home. We are called to more than that. We are called to more than that. And then then when you do go out, Chris said it right, what you do, you go eat bad. Because you're so limited in the things that you do. So you go to work, you go home, and then when you go out, you go eat bad. We're called to a healthy, prosperous social life. And then finally, financially, because that's what I'm talking about. God wants you to prosper in your finances. All right, next slide, please. Does this make sense to you guys? Our thinking determines our prosperity. Romans 12 and 2. Lord Jesus, if you've been in this service more than three times, we use this thing all the time. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can never live above your thinking. You can never live above your thinking. And I know we're talking about money, but you will never work above your thinking. And you will never date or marry above your thinking. You will never live above your thinking. He said, we, we only live at the level of our thinking. Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We use this example all the time. Anybody ever been stressed? Yeah. Ever been stressed? Raise your hand. Anybody ever been stressed and because you were stressed, you went to the store and bought you a pack of cigarettes and smoked them? Oh, but hold on, because I'm no, we gonna get to the cake. We gonna get to the cake. We gonna get to the cake. No, no, no. I'm only talking about follow me, people. That's what happens when you create a church of free thinkers. Excuse I'm, I'm sorry guys. This is my message, and I'm only talking about smoking right now, okay? I'm only talking about smoking. I'm only talking about smoking right now. All right, come back. Let me try this again. Have you ever been stressed? Raise your hand. I just want you to answer the questions I ask, okay? <laughs> Have you ever gone to the store and bought a pack of cigarettes and smoked them? Yes. If you did, you only did it because you had a belief that smoking a cigarette would relieve your stress. Amen. All right? Amen. Have you ever gone to the store and bought you some ice cream cookies or cake? Yeah. <laughs> And 80 when you were stressed. Raise your hand. You know why you did that? Because you believed that food would make you feel better. Those of you who believe that food would make you feel better, I'm going to show you where you got that belief. You grew up in a family that used food to make you feel better. Y'all made the honor roll, you got a cake. Somebody died, you got a bunch of cakes and chicken. You grew up in families that said, here, when it's good, we eat. When it's bad, we really eat. 
and you don't live above your thinking. So even though you may know that sugar won't fix it, watch yourself when you get stressed. Your body will crave sugar because you have a mental state that connects you with sugar being a comfort in a time of stress. The word of God should determine our expectations. Psalm 62 says my expectation is from God. So I don't look at my job to determine the level of living I can have. And I don't look at my spouse to determine the level of living I can have. And I don't look at the economy to determine the spouse of of the, of the level of income I can have. I look at God. What did God say? That is why, um, I wrote a blog at the beginning of this year. It says, Lord, what should I be believing for in 2015? That is why everybody should have a clear plan. Lord, what should 2015 look like for me? How much money should I expect to be making in 2015? If you talk to the Lord, say, for example, you make $40,000 a year, you pray. The Lord says, I want you to make $60,000 a year this year. You know you need to be looking for a job or another opportunity. Promotion. Lord, you hear the Lord say, this is your year to buy a house. You at least got to go to the open houses. You at least got to have your credit pool so you know what you're working with. So your expectation has to be from God. And then when we discover our thinking is out of alignment with God's word, we must transform it. We used that scripture a lot last time, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. We talked about how strongholds and most things around money are strongholds. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. People don't necessarily think about it like this, but if God has said that there is resources for every person to have more than enough, then the mentality of not having enough is a stronghold. And it came the same place that you learned that cookies was your comfort. It came from growing up in a home. You understand that people who grew up with abundance don't have the same struggles about money as people who don't? They don't have the same struggles. And so we have to use the word to change our thinking. So you need to be asking God, what's your goal for my finances for the next year? What's your goal? Because God may say to somebody, he may say to somebody, he may say, hey, my goal for this family is for you guys to get out of debt this year. This is your goal. He may say to another family, hey, my goal for you this year is that I need you to get um, six months worth of living expenses. Don't look at somebody else's plan and then change your plan. Because the challenge with that is that you don't know what's coming down the pipeline. Here's what you need to understand. Every instruction from God is prepared to prepare you for what will come next. Do you hear what I'm saying? There'll be times you're getting ready to spend money and you'll get a quickening from the Holy Ghost and say, don't spend that money right now. And then later on something will happen and you'll understand why you didn't need to spend that money. Or there may be a time. So it's very important for us to align our thinking with God. Let's go to our next um. What is wealth? Wealth is to have more than enough. It is the state of being affluent. It is having a plentiful supply of material goods and money. Why is wealth important? Don't go there yet. Wealth is important because we need to have more than enough. I told you guys for the last two times I preached, if you only want enough for you and your four, you selfish. If it's just enough for you and your family and that's all you care about, it's selfish. Because how many of you know it's a lot of people in need? And how many of you know that God is looking for believers that he can increase so that we can meet some of those needs? And I'm not just talking about handing out money to people. I'm talking about giving them money and giving them the mindset to recreate their own future. And it takes resources to do that. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been hungry? I don't mean like hungry and you couldn't get to food. I just mean have you ever been hungry? If, so, if you hungry, do you want somebody to just pray over you when you hungry? Don't you hate on Thanksgiving when you got that one uncle who want to pray for 35 minutes when it's time to eat dinner? They didn't give you no breakfast because Thanksgiving dinner was early. He just praying and praying and praying. That's how people feel when they hungry. you like, brother, I'm going to pray with you. Like, listen, can you pray while you buy me a meal? Do you understand that if you don't have, in, if you don't have extra resources, you can't be a blessing to somebody else? 
You can't be a blessing to some. It's, it's a blessing just even in a small thing to be able to send in extra money to the field trip for the child who doesn't have money to pay. It's a blessing to be able to send your kids to school with extra paper and extra pencil for the kids that don't have. You can't do that if you don't have increase. If you just barely have enough. So this goal to be, so remember we define wealth. We said that if you don't have enough to do everything that God has called you to do, we will redefine it. We saying we broke, right? Because if we acknowledge that we don't have enough money, we can let God help us, right? So let's go to the next um, slide. I hope you guys are learning something. Why does wealth matter? Wealth is an issue of covenant. Pull up um, Deuteronomy 8 and 18. It says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for is he that's given thee the power to do what? To get wealth that he may do what? So God made a promise to Abraham that those who followed God would always have access to wealth. And so he says he's giving you the power to get wealth. I love this because it doesn't say that he is going to drop wealth in your lap. And the challenge for a lot of believers, not anybody in this room, is that they believe they're believing God for something better, but their faith doesn't have any corresponding action. So that you so you want to make more money, but you're not taking any steps to make more money. And you want to be out of debt, but you're not taking any steps to get out of debt. And you want to be a blessing, but you're not taking any steps. Faith without works is dead. The covenant actually has two parts. God is a good dad. Tell your neighbor, say, your dad, your dad. is a good dad. dad. We're talking about God now. Right. Okay, we're talking about God. Your dad is a good dad. So the number one job of a good dad is to provide for his kids. Amen. So God, so when pe- don't let people say to you, the money isn't about you. It's not just about you, but it is about you because every good parent wants to take care of their kids, right? And let me ask you something as a parent. Any parents in here, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Um, to the best of your ability, you buy your kids what they need, right? Has anybody in here ever bought their kids something that they don't need? So as a good parent, you don't just buy your kids what they need, right? So why would you think that God is only interested in giving you what you need? Surely God can't be a, you can't be a better parent than God. That's not, the, that's not what you want to say today, is it? So if you are willing to give your kids something that they don't need just because they desire it and it pleases your heart to bless them, how much more is your father willing to give you things that you desire because it pleases his heart to bless you? And there is a very big difference between thinking that God will only basically provide than to believe that God will supply everything that you need and desire. In fact, Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God doesn't care how much money you have. He don't care where you live. He don't care what kind of vacation you go on. As long as that stuff doesn't become your top priority, as long as God is first. Amen. 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 The second part of, go back. The second part of the covenant is that it empowers us with enough for every good work. So God, because there's this mentality in the world that says things like this. It says, well, we could feed more people if your house wasn't so big. That's a lack mentality. We could feed more people if we had a mindset to feed more people. And so don't let, because one of the things that, religion will try to do is that it will try to shame you when God blesses you. So God promotes you or God increases you and then religious people, because for the most part, people in the world don't care what you have. People in the world absolutely don't care what you have. We were, we were out in Vegas and you know, I like Vegas. For those of you who don't like Vegas, that's on you. I like Vegas. There are two lessons in Vegas I learned that I'm reminded of every time you go to Vegas. Number one, if you can dream it, you can build it. Number two, there is no shortage of money. That's what Vegas screams. It screams, if you can dream it, you can build it. And number two, there is no shortage of money. But the thing I noticed is that nobody says about the casino, for example. Here they are taking advantage of these people who can't afford to be here, taking their money. Nobody says that about the casino. 
We passed by billboards. They were saying how shows, like there was a show, Chris Angel show. It took $163 million to put his show together. Nobody sweated. Nobody was stressed about it. No, the world doesn't go, oh, there's a shortage of money. You don't have the right to do that. Nobody says the Venetian is too nice. It don't take all that. The Bellagio is too nice. Why they need all them flowers on the ceiling? Nobody says that. It's only when we come to church that people go, well, do they really need them chandeliers? So every place should be beautiful but where you worship. And everybody should prosper but the people who serve God. You have to see the falsity in that mentality and that it's designed to shame you when God blesses you. Amen. Right. It, because there's a scripture, hey, find that scripture for me that says that um, with wealth comes persecution, because I can't forget that part today. Go to the next slide, because that's important. Wealth is not, y'all go ahead, screenshot this one, go ahead, put this one, y'all put this one on social media, so, so when the saints get all worked up, here we go. Wealth is not the most important thing, but it, it equips us to take care of everything that is important. Money not the most important thing. But when people say stuff like this, all we need is love. You lying? We can't eat love. You can't make love no pie, no chicken sandwich, girl. You is lying. You can't eat love. Now, love can cause you to use your money to get a pie and a chicken sandwich, but you, you can't call up the electric company. Well, um, well, how you going to pay today? I'm going to perform a payment. Love. Your life's going to be off. Love is not everything. It is important. Here's how you know love isn't everything. Ask the kid who has a parent who says they love them but don't provide. Love in everything. Because there is a natural connection that if you love me, here's how I knew Edwin loved me in the beginning. He gave me his last chicken tender. We was at Chili's. He ain't even split it with me. He gave it to me. I said, ooh, I should marry him. <laughs> he, was, he said he was hungry. Because love gives. How many of you are in, you in here are parents and your kids have asked you for something? It's your last and you give it to them anyway. That's what love does. So to say that love doesn't have provision is foolery. Because I love Edwin, but I, I'm not living on no bridge with him talking about we in love and cardboard box. I'm not doing that. And if the church is going to display love, the church has got to have some resources. When people come and they're hungry, when people come and they need counseling, when kids come and they need supplies, they need shoes, they need those things, you need resources to do that. So every believer has to take up their role to be a person who creates wealth. So because here's the thing, we, you don't want the church to be a place where one person writes the check and nobody else has anything to contribute. But wouldn't it be a blessing if one of the people in here who's an educator stood up and said, hey, you know what, we got these kids. Every year we have about 200 kids who don't have what they need to, stand, to start school, and it'll cost about $5,000. And if people just stood up and said, hey, you know what, I, I got 200 on it. Or if one person said, hey, I got 5,000, I got the whole 5,000, let's find out what another school has. And let it be known that Fellowship of Champions, we don't want anything for you, we just want to be a blessing. We, we won't make the condition based on whether you come to church and hear our presentation. We just want to be a blessing to you. That's what love looks like. So wealth is not the most important thing, but it equips us to take care of everything that is important. Wealth matters. Wealth matters. You need, you need money to take your kids to the doctor. If you grew up like in some of us in the country, that's why they had all them salves and all them remedies. You ain't going to the doctor. What's wrong with them? They got a plan out there, they rubbing on you and stuff, because you ain't want no money to go to the doctor. So if them green things didn't fix you, you probably go die. Right, aloe vera plant fixed everything in my, where I grew up, aloe vera plant. And some other plants, I don't know what they are, they out there rubbing on you and stuff, got you drinking stuff, they just cod lip castor oil. Let's go to the next screen. We're almost done. Six reasons for kingdom wealth. Kingdom expansion service to others, provide an inheritance for your children's children, 
the abundant supply of all your needs, defense, and debt-free living. Those are the reasons we want to be wealthy. We shouldn't don't let nobody make you feel bad for wanting to be wealthy. Here's my theory. I've already proven I'm going to obey God with my money. I did that when I had none. So he already know that if I have a lot, I'm going to do whatever he tell me to do. Who do you think is going to fix the ills of society? Rich people who don't love God? Because you know when you was a heathen and you weren't thinking about God, what you couldn't wait to do was bring your money to the church, right? Yeah, that's what you was doing. So kingdom expansion, service to others, providing inheritance for our children's children, the abundant supply of all our needs, defense, and debt-free living. Let's go to the first slide, kingdom expansion. These two scriptures, I went over them before. We're not going to look them up. Expansion occurs through prosperity. Whoever controls the cash controls the flow. In order to expand the kingdom, we need wealth. Every vision takes provision. The corporate vision of FOC and the vision of every partner will require finances. And if we don't teach you about prosperity, one or two things will happen. You either won't have enough to contribute your portion to the vision of FOC, or you won't have enough for your own vision, or you won't have enough for either. We need wealth. Whoever controls the cash controls the flow. I talked to you guys about that the last time. Somebody asked Pastor Edwin whether it was okay for us to go to Vegas or not, and whether God thought about that. Everybody else was debating. My reply was simple. Whoever controls the cash controls the flow. If you ain't writing no checks, none of your business. There it is. But here you go, because let me take it further. If you don't control the flow and the cash for what's being produced on the radio, then what they produce is none of your business. Or what they put on TV is none of your business. Or what kind of stores they have and don't have is none of your business. You know why? Whoever controls the cash controls the flow. Right? It's tight, but it's right. Zechariah 1 and 7, we use it. It says that cities expand through wealth. You cannot expand a city. You cannot expand a ministry. You cannot expand a family without wealth. You need wealth. Number two, the number two scripture was in Luke 8, and basically it talked about how the women and all those people gave to Jesus' ministry. Even Jesus... Um, yeah, that's Luke 8, 1 through 3. Um, that even Jesus had women and people who had stature who gave to the ministry. How do we know that Jesus had money in his ministry for the people who say that Jesus was poor? How do we know Jesus had money in his ministry? I told y'all this last time. How do we know Jesus had money in his ministry? He had what? How many you got a treasure? Mm-hmm. Know why? Because you know who need treasures? People who have money. The reason you know that Jesus had a lot of money in his treasury is because it said that Judah stole from the treasury and they didn't know it. How much money can be stolen from you before you notice? How much money? How many of your coins can the bank take somewhere else before you notice? Come on now. We know, don't believe the hype that Jesus was poor. They got, they, Jesus, they, read, the, read the crucifixion story. Jesus had a seamless garment that they gambled over. In that time, a seamless garment indicated wealth. Just like them. Here's the difference. A seamless garment is a garment that you, you create with one piece of fabric. Cheaper garments take the fabric strips to make a garment. Amen. Let's go. What's next? Service to others. We've talked about this a lot. You can't help others if you don't have income. It's no different than wisdom. Who can you get wisdom to if you don't have none? Like, don't you always want to know? Like, um, for example, the other day I went into kids' school, and there was a lady, and she was, she was promoting the wraps, you know, the ones you lose weight with. It said she was real big, and I was like, see, here's the problem. The problem that the reason I can't buy your product... <laughs> is because <laughs> you are not a good representation of what it is that you say that you are selling. If we're going to say that we have a God that supplies all of our needs, we need to be a good representation of that. We don't want people looking at the church going like I looked at the lady with the rap. I was like, what I'm not going to do is buy a rap. 
I'm like, and so Edwin was like, well, maybe she lost a lot of weight and that's just where she is. I said, then she need to put a split shot on the side of her car so that we can see the progress. Because based on what she looked like right now, I'm not buying a wrap. We don't want our life our to look so raggedy that people say based on what they look like, I'm not giving God a try. It takes money to spread the gospel. People go, oh, the gospel's free. No, it's not. If the gospel's not free, the gospel costs everybody something. It didn't cost you nothing, but it cost Jesus' life. The gospel costs. You can't print books without money. You can't be on TV without money. You can't even have a website without money. You need resources. 1 Timothy 6 and 17, it tells us not to trust in riches, but to trust in God. It says, hey, when you have riches, it said, ain't nothing wrong with it, but don't be high-minded. Don't trust in them, but trust in the living God who has given us richly all things to enjoy. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say, God, God wants, you wants you to enjoy, to enjoy life. life. Richly. 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 God takes no pleasure when every vacation you ever have means somebody's house sleeping on the floor. I mean, because at some point when the kids are little, the kids think it's cool to all sleep in the same living, in the living room, in a, in a play tent. When the kids 16, 17, they don't think that's cool no more. It says charge them. It says that we do good, that we be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. The way you keep verse 18 going is that you remember you're just a steward. You're just a steward. So it's not your money to determine whether you're going to give it or not. God owns everything. We own nothing. But if we're faithful, we get to use a lot. Next scripture, Deuteronomy 15, 4 through 9. It says, save then when there shall be no more poor among you. Listen to that. It says, God wants there today to be that there is no poor among the church. Well, how are we going to help the world as long as we got so much poor in the church? And we have so much poor in the church because so many believers don't know they have a right not to be the poor. For the Lord shall greatly bless thee in the land which the Lord has given thee for an inheritance to, re re to possess. Only if thou carefully hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Hearken means to hear and do. So you hear from God to hear and do. Listen, we don't get instruction from God to debate. Like, for example, when God tells you to be quiet, it's not really for debate. Like, should I be quiet? Should I not be quiet? It's really like to be quiet. So when God gives you an instruction, it is to do it. The, the Lord to observe to do all these commandments, which I command thee this day. Let's go to the next verse. It says, for the Lord thy God bless thee as he promised, and thou shalt lend to many nations. Listen, debt isn't bad, but God wants believers to be in control of the debt. He doesn't want us to be in debt to unjust systems that don't care about the things of God. He says, you shall, um, he says um, you shall lend to many nations, but thou shall not borrow, and thou shall reign over many nations, but thou shall not reign over you. Because there's another scripture in Proverbs that basically it says that whoever is the borrower is indebted to the lender. Whoever you owe is the boss of you. When I was in Vegas, it's the money I wanted to spend. I couldn't. Know why? It belonged to some bills. And so whoever you owe is the boss of you. Well, you may be thinking, oh my God, Pastor John, I got a mortgage. I got all of these things. God knows you have all of those things and he has a plan to get you out of all of those things. Amen? Listen, it says, and if there be among you a poor man or one of thy brethren within the gates of the land which the Lord given thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart nor shut thy hand from thy poor brother. Here's a very clear, in, listen, here is one of the reasons you cannot align with policies that tell us not to take care of the poor. God is very clear that if we have a poor brother among us, we are not to harden our heart and to treat them disrespectfully. Go to, um, it says, but thou shalt open thy hand. How? Ooh, say everybody say, how should you open your hand? Why? But you can't open your hand. Why? If you're not generous and you don't have much to give. It says you should open your hand wide unto him and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanted. Beware that there not be a thought in thy wicked heart saying this seventh year, the year of release is at hand and thy 
I be evil against our poor brethren and I give him nothing and he cry against the Lord and it be sin unto you. Now, in that time, every seven years, people used to get delivered from their debt. It's the reason we have bankruptcy laws that in seven years, your debt is supposed to be wiped away. It actually came from the Bible. And what he says is this. He says, don't close your hand when you have the power to help the poor because you think I'm not going to get my money back. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says that he that lends to the, to the poor is be, that God himself becomes in debt to you. It takes money. Go ahead. Um, let's, I want to skip that scripture. Service to other because I want to get through these. Provide an inheritance for your children's children. How many of you know this is important to leave our kids better than we were? And can y'all say amen a little bit better on that? Amen. Is it be, do we need to leave our kids in a better shape than we were in? Amen. We want our kids to be able to pursue their dreams and their God-given purposes without money being a hindrance to them. Generational wealth protects our lineage from starting from zero. How many of you started from zero or basically from zero? I started, we basically from zero. I had a good grandma, but she didn't have much to give. She could give wisdom, but she didn't have. We don't want our kids to go to college with the same struggles we had. We don't want our kids, when they get ready to buy houses, they don't have anybody who can contribute to their down payment. We want our ceiling to be their floor. And you only do that through generational wealth. You want to be able to change the games for your kids. It's a big difference. Did anybody have to buy their own car, their own first car? It's a big difference between buying your own first car and somebody buying your car for you. I, we tell Tay, we be like, you don't even realize how good you live. Tay just call us and say stuff like this, I need gas money. Well, some of you know that it wasn't nobody to ask for gas money. Who's you going to ask? You, be, you better drive your friends around and get enough money to fill them up. You, we want our kids to live better. We don't want, our, how many kids have dropped out of school because money was such a pressure? How many kids have not gotten a degree in the thing that they were called to because they had to get the thing that would get them a job faster? We don't want that to be the, the case for our kids, but we also don't want to be indebted and weighed down trying to help them with their dreams. What's the solution? Create wealth. Proverbs 13 and 22. That's the only one we'll go to today. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I told you last week, if you don't have it, get life insurance. Get life insurance. Have life insurance. Do not make your family sad because you are gone and they can't afford to bury you or pay the bills that you left. You should put your family in a, your death should put your children in a better situation. Amen. Go to the next one. We're almost done. Abundant supply to all of your needs. Ecclesiastes 10 and 19, it says money answers all things. Uh, Philippians 4 and 19, it says that God provides, go, go back, they're trying to take a picture of it. God has provided the money to meet every need. We looked at 1 Timothy 6 and 17, it says, trust God, the source of wealth and riches, not the wealth and riches. And then I do want to go to Proverbs, I mean to Psalms 37 and 25. Psalms 37 and 25, it says, let them shout for joy, that should be us, so we should be shouting, and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, God, God takes, pleasure takes pleasure when you prosper. When you prosper. That goes back to being a good father, a good parent. Who wants to see their kids struggle? Nobody, right? So God doesn't want to see you struggle. In fact, he takes pleasure when you prosper. Let's go to the next one. Wealth is a defense. Defense, the act of resisting or defending an attack. It is shade and protection. Wealth is a defense that preserves life. Here's the reality. Wealth, can, is, wealth cannot heal you, but wealth can get you to the best care. Amen. Amen. Wealth cannot heal you, but wealth can get you to the best care. Because there is a, how many of you know it's a difference in care? Yeah. There is a difference in care, and wealth can get you to the best care. And there, uh, there, here's an example. There's, just, I don't know his name, but he has the little girl who just football player, who little girl who was, um, who was, um, who just her cancer just went into remission. Please know that his wealth and his access gave her to a different standard of care. 
Please know that. Please know that wealth makes a difference. Wealth makes a difference in what people do when you walk in the door. Wealth makes a difference in whether you have a public defender or whether you have uh, an attorney. Uh, not that public defenders aren't attorneys, but public defenders are overworked. Right, it, it, it's the difference between a Johnny Cochran and a Sean Strickland who doesn't practice law. That's a great example right there. There is a difference between whether you get somebody who's fresh out of law school or whether you have somebody who has 25 years of winning cases like that. Wealth makes a difference. Wealth determines where your kids go to school. Now, we live in Northwest Arkansas, so we don't have a lot of bad schools, but how many of you know that in some cities you better have some money or your kids go end up in a bad situation? Wealth makes a difference in where you go on vacation if you go on vacation. Wealth makes a difference in whether you stay at Motel 6 or whether you stay at the Hilton Garden or whether you stay in a penthouse suite somewhere. Wealth, it, well, it determines what kind of shoes you wear, it determines what kind of coat you wear, and it determines what kind of food you eat because it is expensive to eat well. You can go to Wendy's and get hamburgers for 99 cents. If you get a salad for 99 cents, all it's got on it is lettuce and four carrot strings. It's expensive, and so wealth is a defense. Wealth is a fortress. Poverty often leads to ruin. How, we probably all have a story of somebody that if they had had a better financial start, if they had had better stability, their life probably would have ended up in a different place. Next. Debt-free living. God has not created us to live in debt. Now listen, we are not against, we're not saying that debt is sin. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that whoever you owe is the boss of you. That's what we're saying. That whoever, the, whoever you owe is the boss of you. Now here's how we define debt. If you go out and you um, buy something for $500 and you put it on a credit card and the credit card has 0% interest rate and you can pay that off when you come, that's not debt. You're just using somebody else's money for free. If you get a car loan, you get the car loan with 0% interest rate. Well, there's a debate about whether it's debt because if they call the whole loan due, could you pay it? So what we want to do is we want to begin to position ourselves. We're thankful for 0% deals and we're thankful for mortgages. We're thankful for things that give us access that we might not have too. But here ought to be the goal of believers. We ought to believe God for acceleration. So if we get a mortgage that's 30 years, our goal ought to be to pay it off in 20. Because God is the God of increase and he can accelerate us. And the sooner we don't owe people, the freer we are. How much more could you give if you didn't have a mortgage, if you didn't have a car note? How much more could you help? What else could you do for your kids? What else could you do for your community if you didn't have those things pressing on you? And so the goal is to be free from those things and to ask God for a plan. God wants us to live as the head, not under the weight of debt. Let's look at these two scriptures and then I'm done. Proverbs 22 and 7 and then Deuteronomy 8 and 12. The rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. I mean, it's, it's the truth. It's a hard conversation to have. The, and it's the same way the Bible says this. Whatever you're in sin to is Lord over you. It, for, it, let, let's take it away something that's not sin. If you can't talk to people in the morning till you get your coffee, that's the boss of you. Coffee is the boss of you. Caffeine is the boss of you. If you need coffee before you can function, coffee is your Lord or caffeine is your Lord. God says, I've not created you for anybody else to Lord over you. So whether it's caffeine or whether it's mortgages or whether it's car notes, he says, my desire is to free you from that. So when I say to you, for example, if God said, hey, you know what? I want you to take your kid to Australia this summer because there's something they need to see there for their destiny. Could you do that? God wants us to be able to position our kids, to be able to position our lives and to be able to be a blessing and to be a um, blessing to the church. Deuteronomy 28 and 12, last scripture, it says, The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain into the land in his season. He will bless all of the work of your hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. This message is not to put any guilt and shame on you for borrowing. It's to say that there is a better way, and God wants to free us from that. 
God wants us to be the people who gets, get to lean. Why? Because if somebody borrows money from you and the Lord says to you, hey, just let it go, just cancel the debt for them, you can do that. And so this is really important to us. Listen, I know that sometimes when we have teachings and stuff, the teachings are not necessarily the most emotionally entertaining. But how many of you know that you can't always grow if you're just emotionally entertained? You need things that are going to make you think, that are going to challenge your thinking. Here's what I want you to know. Every person in here, even our kids, there are gifts and talents and abilities in our kids that will produce wealth. And so as parents, even as you're doing this journey, don't just pay for everything for your kids. Give them an opportunity to be creative. Get, find out what's on the inside of them. Ask them, stare up those gifts, see what's on the inside of them. Because God wants to use the gifts that are on the inside of all of us so he can bless the work of our hands and that we, he can prosper what we do, we can enjoy the work that we do, we can be light and we can be a blessing. Does that make sense to you guys? All right, I want to pray for you, and then Pastor, I want to come. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for every person that's represented here. I thank you that there is a unique gift, um, a unique combination of gifts, talents, abilities, and purpose in every person. And I thank you for giving us the ability to see what you put on the inside of us. Father, I thank you that there will be people, that we will be courageous enough to do the thing that you have put in our heart, and that we will not walk in fear. And we thank you that those things you have laid out, plans that will cause us to prosper. Father, we pray for the families that may be struggling under debt. God, we pray for a supernatural increase in their life, God. And we just pray that debt would be broken off of their life and that you would give them strategies for success to come into a place of freedom. Father God, we pray for the people who just simply, they don't make enough. They don't have enough increase in their life, God. We pray that you would give them strategies and wisdoms that would cause them to live at another level, God. We thank you that our heart would become fully fixed on the fact that there is more than enough, that there is no shortage, and that you have abundantly supply for every one of your kids and that we would have the courage to tap into your provision and change our families, change our communities, and be a blessing to the ministry. In Jesus' name, amen.